For so very long, it's been... Go on, George. Tell how it's gonna be. But in the end, the commission only said... We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured it, it was no good. Because no matter how we figured it... But no matter how you figure it out, I still don't get as much as anybody else. Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. When this is the end. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Sun's up, mm-hmm. Looks okay. The world survives into another day. And the way forward goes through, as it must, the Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. The number of times I heard these guys' voices over and over and over. Still can't find it. Nah, can't find it? We can help. This here is 1240. 1240. It's always been 1240. My client says it's 1240. Yeah, plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at KEJOAM.com and on the KEJO app. It's the Joe Beaver Show. The Beavers with a quintet comprised of Gavin Mars, Josiah Lake II, Tyler Billado, Dejon Craig, and Jaden Stevens. Billado overhands to Josiah Lake. Flaring, now he drives the paint and lays it in. Yeah, I thought he was uh, he was all over the place, in fact. I know he was your post-game interview, but Josiah Lake II was scrappy. He led the team with seven assists, Doc. He did. I liked him a lot. His dad uh, came to me right after the game to say hello, Josiah Lake Senior, mm-hmm. this is Josiah Lake. He goes by Josiah Lake, the second, a walk-on from Tualatin. Yeah, and didn't you and I see him, his dad, play in 1999? We certainly did. In <laughs> fact, I, I went through with Josiah, the elder, yesterday when he came down uh, right after the game following the Beavers' 82-46 to victory over Linfield. By the way, open phones from now until the bottom of the hour when we will check in with Hall of Famer Mandy Rodriguez, married to Kyle Bjornstad, but Mandy Rodriguez, a Hall of Fame gymnast at Oregon State, involved in some tremendous work. Uh, right now, the most important work in life, she's a stay-at-home mom with her kids, but she's going to go back to school soon, get her doctorate in clinical psychology, and work in the very important field of sports psychology and working with collegiate athletes in the area of mental health, uh, very important issue and something that Mandy has had on her heart for a long time. So we'll talk to her about her Hall of Fame gymnastics career, her life as a student at Oregon State, meeting Kyle, marrying Kyle Bjornstad, Beaver basketball player, and now co-founder of the Damnation Collective with uh, Dick Oldfield. Uh, Mandy will join us at around 1130 today. Stephen Jackson, Hall of Famer, tomorrow at 12.05. And we're still reaching out to other Hall of Famers trying to get in touch with people from the 2015-16 Women's Basketball Final Four team, the 2006 uh, World Series Oregon State softball team. So we've got uh, a busy show coming today. Josiah Lake II himself will join us at 12.30. We want to highlight a very important event coming up at Reeser Stadium Saturday, among the many things on Veterans Day, homecoming, the Beavers and Stanford, a huge game with so much riding on it.
for the Beavs, trying to keep their Pac-12 title hopes alive, and just, you know, you know the shot, how important it is. We will kind of double down a little bit with Sarah Elcano, who is more of a, she's complimenting the primary guest, which will be Will Patton, the director of marketing for Tillamook. Tillamook cheese, ice cream, Tillamook creamery. They are, uh, through Safeway, Tillamook and Safeway have teamed up for an event that we hope many of you, all of you, as many of you that remember it and can to make a note to bring some non-perishable food items as we head toward the holiday season, the damn hunger tailgate is happening under the auspices of Beaver Athletics and the generosity of our partners, uh, Safeway and Tillamook. So we're going to talk to Will and Sarah a little bit about how that's all going to work and some of the other efforts that they've been involved with recently with Oregon State student-athletes in Tangent just last week of, of contribution and a check presented to Lynn Benton Food Chair, Reagan Beers, Jordan Pope, and some other student-athletes were present at that event in Tangent. So we're going to kind of get a little bit more of an idea about what that's all about. So, Josiah Lake... At 12.30, Will Patton and Sarah Elcano on together at 12.05, Mandy Rodriguez at 11.30, and some open phone opportunities along the way. But back to Josiah the Elder. He came up to me to say hello. I hadn't really seen him since the 99-2000 season. But I said, what was exactly your role and your part in the magnificent moment when Dino hit the three out of the corner to beat number three Arizona at Gill? I said, did you throw the pass directly to to uh, Dino? And he said, no, but is, is there a stat in hockey where you get an assist for an assist if you make the it, – it seems like I've read, I've read or I don't know much about the hockey, very little about it, but it feels to me that there's a stat, and maybe even in basketball at a certain metrical level, yeah, right. they have a, something for assist of the assist. Assi- yeah, the, the the pass that leads to the assist. Right. They right. hit ahead to the guy in the middle who then throws to the person on the wing who drives it in and lays it. You I'm know, sure there is. There's an assist on an assist. Well, it was Josiah who had the ball, shoveled it. I think I, I'm try. I can kind of see the play in my mind. It was eye. in the left corner. Left right? corner. And I can kind of see the play in my mind's eye with J- Josiah with the ball. But he said, I got it to Jason Heidi at the high post, and then he shoveled or got the ball to Dino open for the three for the win. <laughs> Dino hit it, place went crazy. So did the announcer, the broadcaster for the Beavers. But we, <laughs> whoever that joker was, we and relived. You know where I was? I was Tell in, me again. I, I was in Tucson with the women's team, because back then they kind of mirrored the schedule home right, and away. right. And our game had concluded, and we were at a restaurant as a team. And I was there was no internet, there was no this or that. And I was listening to there might have been internet, but I don't. It was the very early stages, so it was really hard to figure out and to get stuff. But I was listening to it on a back channel that we have here at the station. And when Dino Tanner hit the shot, I just went crazy in the restaurant. <laughs> And we were all grouped together. and But they were hanging on. I was setting it up, actually, doing a little bit of play-by-play, right. setting it up before the big shot. So I relayed that to the the uh, the athletes on the women's team, and they just went crazy, and it was a yeah. lot of fun. That's so, that's so sweet when moments such as that are shared uh, by other teams out of town watching or listening. That is, uh, that is so cool. 
And so we'll, I relive that a little bit with Josiah yesterday. Yeah, I that's actually awesome. talked to Josiah the Younger yesterday. I said, you know about, oh yeah, I know about the play. I think they've <laughs> probably seen it. It happened before he was born. And but, and how about yeah. the connection that you, you mentioned, Jason Heidi, his daughter played later that night. I don't yeah. know if she got minutes, but is on the, the women's team now after transferring over from Cal, Cecil Pierce and Jason Heidi. So Heidi sets uh, Josiah Lake Sr. up. He then dishes it to Dino Tanner, who hits the shot and the beavers beat arizona for a second straight year they'd beaten him the year before in the power of gill year and the beavers beat uh, two top 10 teams and another team in the rankings at gill three tremendous wins that year in 98 99 so that's kind of the lay of the land for today we have open phones 497-5356 497-5356 the downward dog phone line the university honda text line TJ confirms two players can assist on a goal in hockey. Okay, I thought so. I don't. So you can get a an assist on a so yeah. two assists yeah. points given on the assist. I've always you known get that like you have kind of not yeah. not fully understanding it, but knowing that it's more than just a direct pass. Right. Thank you very much for that, TJ, the young Kraken fan. <laughs> Somebody else t- texted it in as well and confirmed. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I probably should exist in basketball too. I don't think there is. A, an official stat for an assist on an well, assist. There, there wasn't in your my day, but this is a new era. There's, there should there's be. numbers for everything. Yeah, there should be. When you think about a fast break, for example, yeah. if, if Bill Walton takes the ball off the glass, overhands a brilliant outlet to Dave Twardzik, who then feeds Herm Gilliam, yeah, who goes in and who scores, goes in and Walton, scores, should, Walton the, should probably get an assist. The too. baseball pass yeah. assist, no doubt. So, open phones. Harold and Sandy is already on the Downward Dog phone line. I don't know how to put this without, you know, we, we, we come to expect certain things every day. Deion Sanders, and by the way, there's an article in The Athletic. I don't know if you were able to find it or access it yeah, or not. Right oh, it's right there? Okay, thank you. Gosh, good work, Johnny. Well, what did you think I was handing Well, that was, you know, the call wasn't made that long ago. <laughs> in the world, the firehose world we live in. It's today, a long one, though. Deion Sanders, the, the, this is in today's athletic, Deion Sanders, comma, blind faith and the coach's first puzzling decision. <laughs> so that, that's talking kind of puzzling decision, big picture, the demotion of Sean Lewis as his offensive coordinator to going with Pat Shermer to call plays this past weekend against the Beavers. But that doesn't even take into account the decision toward the end of the half to try to throw the ball from down around his own five-yard line and and just a complete mismanagement of the clock and allowing the Beavers, the worst-case scenario, to get a touchdown, not only a field goal or anything, to get the ball back, A, to not settle for three, B, and C, get a touchdown. It goes from 7-3 to 14-3, to three, and it felt like that was ball game almost, that whole sequence. I don't know if Ari Wasserman in this column in the athletic gets to that part of the decision, but he does talk about Coach's, quote, first puzzling decision, meaning the demotion of Sean Lewis. Yeah, I was just reading through the first two paragraphs, and I, I just, I'm puzzled by how, why this was written this particular way. Okay, we'll, we'll look which into we it. we can get into Yeah, we'll look into it as we go. <clears throat> uh, just thank you for printing it. As opportunity presents itself, we'll read it and see if there's anything about the Beavers-Colorado game. Jonathan Smith was on yesterday with Jim Rome. Life was so busy for me after the game because of we have that Beaver too. basketball that I didn't get to hear it. 
So we're going to play it a little bit later today on the show as opportunity presents itself. We're going to go to Harold, but what I was about to get to with Dion, Dion said he looked something about look to the side judge, and I gave her eye contact, and that was supposed to, she was supposed to know what that meant, that I wanted a timeout or something no, weird. No, they're supposed Just, to specifically I ask. know, but, but Dion kind of made it sound like I, they should have informed me or I tried to inform them and they mm-hmm. didn't understand how I was informing them. And it was just a weird <laughs> kind of answer that he gave to why didn't you call your time out earlier that you had? Yeah. You called it with two. Which Not, at the time was showing zeros on the clock. Yeah. I mean, weird, weird. It is weird. And then it just kind of ended. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, what what I wondered though was, but, but I mean, Dion was kind of assuming certain things are, in a way that they go. He was assuming it. And we can never do, you have to go through the proper channels, even yeah. if you think, well, they know what I want to do here. They ought to know that I want a timeout <laughs> now no, or whatever else. But so I'm asking a question now that comes on, it's a different kind of question and category. And Harold, you'll be up in just a second. When I saw that phone line ring, this is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I thought, oh, this must be Dave. <laughs> so Tumwater, where are you? I mean, if I don't hear from Dave, Early in a week, and we didn't hear from him at all, either via the text line or the phone line, then I get a little concerned. Is everything okay? Are you mad at us? Did we say so? You know what I mean, Johnny? It's it's a strange kind of thought process to go through. Dave calls us a lot. We enjoy his calls and his contributions. But I'm surprised we haven't heard from him yet. And TJ said he didn't call the postgame show. So, Dave, if you are listening, and I don't need to want to make light, I hope everything's okay. But we'd love to hear from you today and in open phones even now, because it's just one of those things I come to expect is apparently Dion expects side judges to grant timeouts with when he looks at them. You know, I don't know. But when we start talking, we expect your phone call. So, Dave, if you're out there, feel free to either, you know, I hope everything's well and would love to hear your thoughts about uh, the game the, the nature of the win, did any of you take me up on re-watching the game? And if so, you feel any better about uh, some of the angst or the misgivings that perhaps you felt I du- did. during the course of the game? A little bit. And do you agree with me that you felt yeah. better after yeah. watching it? Yeah. Okay. Glad to hear it. Now, the downward dog phone line is ringing. We'll see whom this may be. But we have open phones. Okay. I Is it our man? Okay, good. It just makes me feel better because he's a friend. Well, see, I worry because Dave and I were texting throughout the game. Yes. Neither of us were very pleased. Okay, and that's what I'm saying. And I understand. Dave kept saying, I'm coming loaded for bed. Oh, like, eh, you were trying to tell him to back off a little bit. Now? Just okay. like, well, you know, we, we can't. We're not going to throw people under the bus no, on this show. No, we no. aren't. You can, but well, we aren't. So maybe I've invited so the Hornets Nest in. I didn't say anything yeah. when you were saying, where's Dave? Where's Dave? Right. And yesterday, uh, and Harold, we're going to come to you right now. But yesterday when he didn't show and you were, you were calling out yeah. for him, I'm like, Oh boy, I don't know if he's stewing and really getting ready to unload <laughs> or if he's okay. Well, I don't know, but uh, we'll find out. He, together. he seems to be in a jovial. Okay. Mood. We'll find out together in a moment, but Harold and Sandy, thank you so much for calling us even as we were just opening our microphones today we appreciate it Harold welcome to the Joe Beaver show yeah sorry to disappoint you <laughs> no, I'm glad I'm glad it's you but I, I, I you were talking about having Mandy Rodriguez on there yeah the gymnast 
uh, tidbit of information, our star gymnast, Jade Carey, yes. and a guy named Yule Muldoon, they won the uh, 2023 Swiss Cup in, U- in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, Sunday. Yeah. Just tidbit of information. Yep. Good news. That's and, cool. And another point, uh, years ago, uh, my daughter's father-in-law and I, we were at the uh, Beaver game. It was a sa- I think it was a Saturday night, and on our way home, we were listening to the after-game sh- after show on the radio, mm-hmm. and uh, they announced that uh, Mike Hass had been given a scholarship that night. Yeah. So he stuck in this kind of interest, kind of fun. But anyhow, just a little tidbit of information. Very good. Yeah. Harold, thank you for that. And and Mike is going into the Hall of Fame with Alexis Cernum and Stephen oh, yeah. Jackson. Yeah, that's and, what I, and a walk on. Yep, I'm glad you and did. I remember, why, I, I remember being at a game when they were, uh, Stephen Jackson was running wild. He was fun to watch. He sure was. And we'll be uh, pleased, blessed, honored to have him join the show tomorrow at 12.05 as he goes into the Oregon State Athletics Hall of Fame Friday night. Thank you, Harold. Anything else? No, that's it. You take care. And Thank you, sir. One. Appreciate it. You too. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Let's head north to Tumwater. I'm just, more than anything else, Dave, whatever you have to say, fire away. But I'm just glad to, I was worried about not hearing from you. I hope you understand me when I say that. It's better to be missed than to wear out your wealth. Right. And in fact, in fact, I was uh, I was fearing that I was becoming close to coming across as a malcontent, um, and um, I'm not. I'm just I just have high expectations mm-hmm. and want to see the Oregon State do well, and I'm upset when I see things sure. that shouldn't. I shouldn't have to be upset about, which I'll get to here briefly. Plus, as I advertised a couple of weeks ago, I'm under deadline to respond to copy edits mm-hmm. to the publisher of my next book coming out in March, hoping to sponsor a road show, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Uh, sometime during baseball season, I had a conversation with Doug. Nice. Dougie about that at Tim's uh, tailgate party there a few weeks ago. And as my <laughs> my spouse reminded me, she said, for a guy who said he might not be able to call a lot, you've been calling a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did so today by request, so she, Chris needs yeah. to understand that. <laughs> uh, un- uh, understood. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, uh, I, I was at, highly agitated at one point on, at Saturday night's game, and that's when I did in, indeed text John. You know, Mike, I go back, I saw my first, college football game in 1956. I remember seeing the NFL championship game when the Giants changed out of their spikes to wear sneakers and they played the Bears in Chicago. I think that was 1955 or 56. And so I've kind of grown up with the lore and the received wisdom of the game, much like baseball has a received wisdom. Mm-hmm. By the way, did you know that my buddy Stephen Kwan won a Golden Glove this year. Yeah, how about that? That's tremendous. It is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, and so, which just goes to show that you can you can patch things up with people, even in kind of the remote yeah. kind of manner I've had to receive. But anyway, my point, Mike, was one of the great axioms of all time and all of sports strategy is you don't take points off the board. 
Now, apparently, Coach Smith referred to some kind of chart. And I'll take the received wisdom of the ages from Vince Lombardi and Tom Landry and uh, Paul Brown about taking points off the board over any modern guru's analytic chart. I wasn't listening to your call. I could only imagine how that might have gone down. But I, I defi- it defies credulity that any analytic would have suggested that one more point going to 22 rather than 21 mm-hmm. would have made that much difference in that game. And, of course, it's, it was so profoundly ironic, given the sequence of events of the earlier week. And as the announcers on the ESPN broadcast mentioned, I don't know if you picked up on that. I did. Perhaps you did if you saw a replay. I did. That two-point return gave, uh, gave Colorado faith and the people in their stance faith Hey, maybe some miracle right. can happen. And it was so unnecessary. And then only yesterday, the previous week's main riff of mine having been that I think Coach Smith is needlessly reckless uh, in certain circumstances, for him, for him to use blackjack <laughs> as, 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 a, as a mode of explanation I mean, is there any other proof necessary? God love him, nonetheless, <laughs> that, Coach, that Coach Smith is an inveterate gambler. And so it worked out this time. It hasn't worked out other times, including a week ago. So, I mean, so I'm slowly reconciling in my, himself, myself to this is who he is. One of, one of the great aphorisms I picked up when I worked in the industry when I was between a stretch when I was going to school I worked with a blind man uh, in a knitting mill. We were a rag picking, and I don't want to get into too many details, but his favorite saying was, gentlemen, you have to learn in life, Dave. This is from a blind man. You have to learn to take in life. You have to learn to take the good with the bad. And, and so I'm reconciling myself to that. <laughs> but I wasn't consciously staying away, although, as I said, I feared. That maybe I was becoming a malcontent. That's not my intention. Yeah, yeah. I just have high expectations. And so thank you for taking my call. I get back to my copy okay. edit. But uh, all's well in Tumwater, I think. Thank you, Dave. Good to hear. I'm just glad to hear your voice. I was getting a little concerned. Thank you so much for the call and working through reconciling uh, some things in, in your life. That's not always easy. Good effort, good work on that. Thanks, Dave. We'll hear from you again, I hope, later in the week with Chris's uh, kind permission. Good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Let's go to uh, John before we break and come back with Mandy Rodriguez, Hall of Famer. John, good morning. Good morning, Mike and John. I just had a quick question. I don't know your guys' opinion. I got in an argument with a friend of mine. Why do you think USC's defense is so bad? If you look at their recruits, they're like top recruits. They seem to have capable players at a lot of positions, they ought to be good. Do you have any notion? Is it just coaching, or what do you think's wrong with those guys? Well, I'll tell you, prior to now, you'd say, well, coaching, but Alex Grinch is a good coach. Okay. Not so fast, my friend. Well, okay. Okay. What I'm saying, John and John, is this. uh, Somebody said, they would trade rosters, somebody I respect, would trade rosters right now for the USC defense to ours, and ours functions 
pretty darn well, even with injuries and even some a little slippage this year compared to leading the league in defense yeah. last year. It yeah. hasn't been quite as stout, right. quite as stingy, but they're doing a lot of good mm-hmm. things. But if you matched up athlete, 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 position group, recruiting status when they came into the program or transferred into the program or whatever else, USC would have Oregon State and most schools beat by plenty. Yeah. So I come to that and say, somehow Alex Grinch did not coach them up properly. No, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Coming in with the reputation and and whatnot of being a good coach, but it's not working. Well, no, but I, I think that reputation had actually, he had a good year with his speed D when he worked for Leach at Washington State and did do it. I mean, his players seemed to play pretty well. Speed D, this phenom thing yeah, that he was yeah. doing. And his teams were good, and he had a big year with Leach, and Ohio State came calling. I mean, he's been jumped Ohio State to Oklahoma and became Lincoln Riley's guy. And Lincoln, I'm sure, it was difficult for him to, to fire a friend and a mm-hmm. guy that's been with him first in Norman and now here. But, John, I, I don't know what your eyes tell you, but it tells me that those are great athletes and highly regarded recruits on the defensive side of the ball, not, not performing to those expectations. And I've got to say, to a large extent, it's got to be in the schematics or whatever else it is that they're doing or not doing and it fell at Alex Grinch's feet, and Lincoln Riley finally parted ways with him. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, in my, my, I'm not exactly an expert by any means, but it just seems like they're always in the wrong place. Yeah, consistently. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. That coaches matter. <laughs> yeah, and we have some great ones here, and we're grateful for. We got to go, John. We've got a Hall of Famer and Mandy coming up next. Stephen Jackson tomorrow. We're still working on Alexis and Mike Hass and Brent Berry. We hope to have them all delivered before the week is out. We'll be at Stutzman and Krupp Contractors on Friday, a first-ever roadshow at Stutzman and Krupp. We'll give you those uh, details as we go today and this week. That's coming up Friday. Mandy Rodriguez next on the Joe Beaver Show. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker, John Warren, Will Patton from uh, Tillamook, and Sarah Alcano will join us at 12.05. Josiah Lake the second. At 12.30, from the Oregon State men's basketball team, a walk-on, making good, really was impressive yesterday at both ends of the court. I had a conversation earlier today with Kyle Bjornstad, former Beaver basketball player, and more to the current point, Kyle's wife, Mandy Rodriguez, married to Kyle. They have two beautiful children, ages 9 and 5. Kyle doing a great job within the collect damnation collective world with Dick Oldfield in these challenging times, you have the infamous Jake Dickert soundbite, which oh, yeah, we, yeah, we'll, get we'll to that. play a little bit a later. How long has it been since Mandy was competing at Oregon? Well, State? let's get Mandy on herself. Not that long. I think 2007 to 2010, well, roughly. Well, even then, that's 13, 14 I know. Years. It, it flies. We I remember mean, watching her career. I'm sure we've had Mandy on this show. She has been on the Joe Beaver times. show, but it's been a while. We've talked to Kyle a little bit more often lately. But Mandy Rodriguez, a well-deserved place in the Oregon State Athletics Hall of Fame, will be inducted in ceremonies on Friday night. Kind enough to join us to talk about her time in Corvallis, not only uh, as a student-athlete, but then working in the athletic department and continuing in a field now that kind of she got into somewhat while here. Mm -hmm. And just many things to check in on with Mandy Rodriguez, Hall of Famer. Mandy, good morning. Thanks for your time. How does that sound when you think about you 
came to Oregon State, and now you're going in the school's Hall of Fame, Mandy. Congratulations. What does it all mean to you? Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. And I don't think we need to talk about what years I competed. <laughs> Let's just say it's, it's been a few. Right, right. Um, but I'm very excited. Um, of course, deeply honored. I think any time that gymnastics as a sport, and especially at Oregon State, gets recognized, I think it's important. Um, in my opinion, gymnastics is the best state, uh, the best sport that we have at Oregon State. So, of course, I'm a little biased, but I'm very excited and um, happy to represent Michael and Tanya Chaplin and the program. Congratulations to you, Mandy. And we'll, we'll work through a lot of things here, but you were born in Los Angeles, and here you are now raising a family in the Beaver State, married to a Beaver and Kyle. Uh, your life, when you made the decision, has certainly taken an amazing and beautiful direction. But tell us a little bit, as a young person coming out of L.A., how you ended up here. Yeah, um, my club gymnastics coach had a relationship with Tanya Chaplin, and at the time that I was being recruited, I had actually just broken my ankle. I was in a cast, and the only event that I was able to do uh, was the uneven bars. So Tanya and Michael Chaplin came out to Huntington Beach. They recruited me. I was in a cast, swinging bars. And they basically took the word of my coach as good when he said, you know, she's going to be a great recruit. She's one of the best that I've had. You can trust that she has a good, strong work ethic. So they went off of that and really not much else. Um, and I'm just forever indebted to them and deeply grateful that they took a chance on me. Um, and I tried to, to make them proud and continue to prove myself throughout my time at Oregon State. I always say that they tricked me and that the weather tricked me because <laughs> when they brought me on my official visit, it was summer. And it was beautiful on campus. You know, everything was green. The sun was shining. And then when I reported that following fall, it was a classic Oregon, you know, cold and rainy. And I still don't love the rain, but I've made it work. And now I've lived in Oregon as long as I ever lived in California, which is pretty wild to think about. But I love it here, and it's, it's home now. Mandy, did other schools that may have been showing you interest in recruiting fall off a little bit with, with the injury you sustained? They did, actually. Yeah, I was being recruited pretty heavily by Florida, um, who at the time and still now is a perpetually a top five team. And I'll never forget at the JO National Championships that year um, when I had recovered and I ended up placing top 10 in all the events and in the all around, they came up to my mom and said, you didn't tell me she was that good. And she said, I tried to tell you, I tried to tell you, you know, you missed out, bummer, but it all worked out, and Oregon State was definitely the place that I was meant to be. Well, we're glad. And, you know, when you think about the direction life took, and we've already talked married to Kyle with two children that you're raising, and, and it sounds like you're really in a good place in life. We're going to get to kind of what you're up to now and, and what you're working towards. But a little bit more on your time in with Tanya and Michael's program and the great program that it is and continues to be. What is it, Mandy, about Oregon State Gymnastics, it stayed at such a, an incredibly high level all these years. Yeah, I think uh, truly it's a testament to Michael and Tanya Chaplin. Um, I'll never forget on my official visit, one of the, the girls that was hosting me at the time said, what you see is what you get. And I was 16, and I didn't really know what that meant. I hadn't gone on any official visits other than to Oregon State, but truly she meant what the coaches present to you on your official visit is what you'll get when you report on campus, is what you'll get when you train with the team and compete, you know, week in and week out at the highest level. And it was so true. Uh, Michael and Tanya are so genuine. They care about their student-athletes, not only what they're doing in the competition floor, but what they're doing in the classroom, how they are in life, how they are growing and developing as strong, independent, you know, 
powerful women. And I think that just culminates into the outstanding um, legacy that they have built for their program and sustained over time. Mandy Rodriguez will be inducted into the OSU Athletics Hall of Fame Friday night. She's joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Your anecdote, your story about coming up on a nice weather day and then seeing it rainy and cold when you came back again. (laughs) Mandy, is funny to me in that you know Aiden Childs, the, the freshman sensation quarterback, said a similar thing. He's from Southern California and Downey, and he came up here. Yes. And he said, I don't like the weather. I'm not interested in this place. The weather turns me off. I don't like it. <laughs> but he made a choice on much more important solid grounds in committing to a program and a culture that Jonathan Smith and all of his coaches have built so he was able to look beyond that. That's maturation maturation and wisdom beyond his years. And I give him credit for it and you as well, because you have to get past some trapping sometimes to see what really counts. I agree wholeheartedly. I feel that sentiment so deeply. I hate the rain. This morning I was watching my dogs and it was threatening the rain and I absolutely hate the rain. But everything else I love about Oregon and it, it just, you know, makes up with all the other wonderful things about the state and, of course, the community at Oregon State University and um, the experience as a student-athlete in Corvallis, I think, is unparalleled. So it made it makes up for the um, yeah. less desirable weather. It's ironic that you say how much you hate the rain, and we're talking about this, and I'm looking outside the studio, and it was pouring down <laughs> rain. And I spent all morning long on my morning show saying, oh, no, it's going to be sunny, and, and, and it's going to be a great day. And yet here it is making a liar out of me. It's pouring <laughs> down rain. Mandy Rodriguez, our guest. Uh, competing with um, Jade Carey, what would that have been like? I mean, you 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 see that from afar now, but it, it would that be a detractor or a good thing for the rest of the team? Because and obviously she's just as sweet as she can be, and and it works. But she's such a high athlete that you, you could probably find yourself, if you're a teammate, just kind of sitting there watching when you need to be kind of concentrating on your next event. Oh, I think Jade is such an incredible athlete, not just, you know, in the performance and her skills and ability, natural and also her work ethic, but also as a teammate and just is the most humble person you'll ever come across. She is quiet and reserved and so confident in herself that she just lets her training and her gymnastics do the talking. Um, I don't know that it would ever be seen as a you know, a distraction. Um, I think she is, brings nothing but positive uh, things to the program, and it's, it's just incredible to watch her, um, both on and off the floor. She, like I said, she's so humble and just so gracious and such an outstanding rep- representative for the program. I'm, I'm thrilled for her, and I know she's enjoying her time on campus, and, of course, I'm thrilled for the program. Mandy Rodriguez, a 2010 uh, three-time All-America vault floor exercise and all around the 2009 Pac-10 Gymnast of the Year. So this sport has had transcendent stars in the sport, and you're one of them, and 2010 was an amazing season for you. Mandy, did you feel an arc of growth from the time you got here in terms of your ability and all these disciplines to, to have the career you did? Uh, Absolutely. When I was being recruited, I didn't really understand what it meant to be a collegiate gymnast. I would, I would go to UCLA meets all the time and I would watch how amazing they were. And from my vantage point in high school, I just thought the gymnasts, once they got to college, they got to select 
what apparatus they liked to compete on. And so maybe one was a vault specialist or maybe one did bars and beam. And so when I arrived on campus, um, and Tanya likes to tell this story, I, I got to campus and I said, okay, well, I really like vault, so, so I think I'll stick with that and, and that'll be good. And she just kind of laughed at me and she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, we get to be specialists, right? And she's like, no, you're doing all four events. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that was really what it, what it took and what it meant to be an all-arounder in a college gymnast but she's like yeah get up on beam and I'm like oh okay so yeah I definitely had a lot of growing from my freshman to my senior year but I wouldn't trade any of it did you in in all of your travels while as an athlete at Oregon State note that there were just a handful of schools that really came on strong with crowds Utah, uh, Oregon State, I don't know about UCLA, but Utah and Oregon State, and then maybe some down south, LSU and Florida. Um, did you notice that? I mean, did, did you like competing in front of Beaver Fan at Gill Coliseum because of that? Oh, absolutely. There's nothing better than Beaver Nation. And I think my senior year, we had a crowd of 7,500 for our pink out um, damn cancer meet. And that is just the most amazing indescribable feeling when you finish a floor routine and everybody's on their feet and excited and cheering for you and cheering for your team and the next girl up and and there's nothing like Gill Coliseum for a packed gymnastics meet so it's been it was definitely exciting to compete at the time and it's exciting now to be a fan and be amongst all the other fans and screaming and cheering when you see a good score or a good performance it's it's incredible. Last couple of things with Mandy Rodriguez. She's part of a distinguished class of Hall of Famers Friday night being inducted. Stephen Jackson, by the way, will join us tomorrow at 12.05. He's going into the hall, as is Mandy, Mike Hass, Alexa Cerna, Mike Riley, and others. So Bobby DeCarroll is, uh, Bob, Bobby, Bobby D, Bob DeCarroll, my good friend Bobby. No, Bob DeCarroll is going in and others, and we'll enumerate them as we go during the week. But, Mandy, also you, you had that sort of wake-up call from your coach about what you were going to be as a student-athlete and not just a specialist, and that worked out very well for you in the program. What about the academic side and what you found and the passion you found, and I mentioned it earlier, but what you're pursuing now in relation to what you did as an undergraduate and then when you went to work at Oregon State in the athletic department for a while? Sure. So following my time as an undergraduate, I went on to pursue my master's in sport and exercise psychology. Um, and after that, I was able and lucky enough to work in the athletic department with academics for student athletes. I worked with uh, the offense on the football team. I worked with gymnastics and women's volleyball. And over those five years, I really had a lot of experiences, obviously um, helping guide our student athletes through their eligibility and through their academic pursuits. Um, but as well, I got to kind of observe uh, what our student-athletes went through on a daily basis that kind of differed from my experience in terms of all the added pressures that they now have. Um, and so having that first-person perspective, seeing that firsthand, really uh, kind of changed the direction that I wanted to go in my career. And like you alluded to, Mike, earlier, I will be pursuing my doctoral degree, it's called a PsyD, like a PhD, only more um, practitioner-based in clinical psychology up at the at, at Pacific University in Hillsboro, um, kind of closer to Portland area. So I'll be starting that in fall and looking forward to getting um, more highly trained and educated on the needs of college students and student-athletes specifically with regards to, obviously, sport 
uh, performance and psychology, but also mental health and all of their needs around that as well. Congratulations to you on that. Damn Worth It came about during your time, I believe, while you were still here working in the field that you described with Taylor Ritchie, a former teammate of yours, and men's soccer player Nathan Brayton, uh, Nathan Broughton, uh, became the founders of this because they were moved by tragedies within their own programs with mental health being at the forefront of, of the reason for the losses of, of young lives. Mandy, tell us how that touched you and maybe even continue to spur you on to what you want to pursue now. Yeah, we unfortunately, um, as a gymnastics family, suffered a devastating loss back in 2017, um, and that was quickly followed by the loss of a, a men's soccer player. And so I was, had a front-row seat to Taylor Ritchie and Nathan kind of collaborating um, within their grief to create something good to come of that. Um, and that was, that was really uh, impactful in my life and, like you said, kind of turned me on to a different career path. Um, and it, it was tremendous to see the amount of people that Taylor and Nathan were able to reach through Damn Worth It. And uh, my husband Kyle and I were just at the San Jose State football game earlier in the year when, when the Beavers were playing them down in San Jose, and they had something on the big screen about Damn Worth It, um, and it had showed that the Damn Worth It program had made it to San Jose, mm -hmm. and I know and I know a bunch of other college campuses have adopted uh, their curriculum, and I think it's really wonderful to see that it's it's been adopted and implemented in other places because it's it's so high need right now and, and so important for our student-athletes. Do they call it the same thing, Damn Worth It? They do, yeah. Hmm. That is really a great legacy that uh, Oregon State was bequeathed in a very important field. Mandy, th this is a whole that we'll need to get you back on to explore this in greater depth because we just don't have time to do it justice now. But we talked earlier this morning. Do you feel that now, I mean, you, when you finished your career, without question, all student athletes at all time and all eras have a great deal of pressure with their sport expectations, personal, you know, doubt, self-doubt, criticism of oneself, uh, parents, family members, all of those things, the pressures have always been profound for young people, no matter what era we're talking about or century. That's true. But do you feel like in social media, which came on a little bit after your career, this phenomenon of social media, you feel that's made life even harder to be a young student athlete now? I do, Mike, and I think it's a double-edged sword. I think uh, social media has done tremendous things, uh, in particular for women's sports. Uh, the opportunities that it's provided, as well as NIL opportunities that have been provided for women specifically. We look at Livy, Olivia Dunn, Livy Dunn down mm -hmm. at LSU, who's you know making six figures plus. Uh, she's a she's a fantastic gymnast. I don't want to take anything away from her ability, but um, even more so, her presence on social media has really brought her opportunities. At the same time, I think it would be so challenging and so difficult to, you know, be under a microscope even more so than they already are. And every little thing you post and every little thing you tweet or say has been caught for eternity. So I, I just think there's, there's obviously good that can come of it, but also I think it can be a huge pressure cooker. And, and I'm really glad that I competed long or a, a little bit before mm -hmm. it really mm -hmm. took off because that it just adds, adds one more thing. 
Mandy, I'm glad you're going in a field where you can help make a difference in people's lives. And because you said, even in your conversations working as an academic counselor and so on, people would sit down with you and maybe not go over their class schedule and list, but kind of pour their hearts out about other stuff, right? I mean, that, it, it, it's much more than we'll ever really know from the outside. Yeah, no doubt. I had numerous conversations where student-athletes would come in, close the door and say, can I just talk? Can I just, I just need to, I need to share something with you and, and would start a conversation having nothing to do with their courses for the next term or their, uh, you know, how their practice was going, but might be pressures that they were feeling or dynamics within their family that was leading Mm -hmm. into their, their life as a student athlete. So I think, um, we need to remember as fans and spectators that these, these people are humans, and when, when they get criticized on social media, um, they feel it, they read it. You know, it's, it's not just – they're not just robots competing or playing out on the field or on the court. Um, they definitely have a human side to them, that I think we need to keep that into perspective as well. Mandy, thank you so much for your perspective. Congratulations to you on being uh, recognized for your greatness at your alma mater at Oregon State and being inducted into the Hall of Fame. I imagine you're excited about Friday night, seeing teammates and friends and celebrating with your family. How, I guess, how excited are you for what uh, will take place Friday evening back home here? Oh, Mike, I'm very excited. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of uh, gymnastics fans and coaches and um, some friends that I'm still close with within the athletic department. So it'll definitely be a celebration. And, of course, I've uh, maintained ties with some of the honorees, Alexis Serna, Stephen Jackson. Um, I worked with Coach Riley, who I have uh, immense respect for. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reconnecting with them as well. Well, congratulations, Mandy. We look forward to seeing you back Friday night. Con- uh, thanks for taking time for the show, and we'll stay in touch. Uh, well done, and thanks for joining the Joe Beaver Show. Thanks so much, Mike. Go Beavs. Thank you. Mandy Rodriguez, our guest. Let's break. We have a special promotion to talk about with Sarah and Will Patton. Not the fine character actor, Will Patton, Will, but a good Will Patton, but the Will Patton character actor, well, Denzel's assistant in Remember the Titans. I don't remember. The one with the daughter who was a football savant. Haven't seen that, that, actor. that movie in however many years. Okay. Let's take a break on the Joe Beaver Show. Um, yeah, I was just telling you off the air. I, so many follow-up questions oh, to that. That's why the subject matter, I said we're opening a subject yeah. matter here that we can't do justice to because your follow-ups are perfect. Well, I do. I do. Have you ever wondered when, yes. they, when in sports releases, media releases for each game, and, and everybody has access to that at OSUBeavers.com, they'll put uh, the, the athletes' Instagram or Twitter sites. They do. And I always thought... Uh, do they really want? And I don't follow athletes. I just can't. I think it's creepy. I'm too old. Me, me, meaning K E J O A M. You know what I mean? Yes. But then I see so many others do, and occasionally with the big ones I do. But I feel weird following any youth social media thing, and I, I it's just weird. But I guess if they're open to it, I guess in in their own way they could lock down their own site. So if they, if they they if could they, put stuff out there, but not necessarily see the responses. Yeah, that because come in. yeah, right. Because yeah. Um, one would think that people would people are horrible, and they just if a player does something they don't like, which we see and hear a lot on this show, they'll just you're terrible, and why did you do that and everything? Why would an athlete open themselves up to it's that? It's a good question. These are good questions, and you wonder just how they navigate that whole world. 
By the way, we hope you'll find your way, however, whatever method you use for our Joe Beaver Roadshow Friday. Stutzman and Krupp Contractors, are for, they've been great sponsors through the years, yeah. but they're hosting a roadshow for the first time Friday. Here, here's what you can plug in. 1954 Rye Street, southeast in Albany. It's a big warehouse. We're going to have uh, free pizza, soft drinks, desserts, a lot of raffle prizes to give away. Tickets to the Beaver-Stanford football game, tickets to men's basketball, tickets to women's basketball. Stutzman and Krupp contractors specializing in residential and commercial re-roofing, exterior siding, windows and doors, and the top uh, of the Valley Award for roofing contractors both in 21 and 22 will be there on Friday. We've got a special couple of guests next on The Joe Beaver Show. Testing, testing, one, two, three, four. In these contentious times... Sir, you've asked a simple-minded question. I will give you an equally simple-minded answer. We invite you to escape for the next couple of hours into the world of The Joe Beaver Show with your hosts, John Warren and Mike Parker, and occasionally, Doug Blair. All right, men, we're not here to sell lemonade. We're here to practice. No one breaks it down any better. Old Indian game. It's called, uh... Put the ball in the hole. Uh, so what are these little arrows? Let Joe Beaver be your guide into the bold new world of technology. Uh, radio. That's going to break down a lot of walls. Yes? The door is wide open. Recreation time, gentlemen. So come on in. Be a part of the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the Beavers, 1240 Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren heading into our second hour. Josiah Lake II from the men's basketball team will join us at 1230 today. We've been talking about it for quite some time through various social media channels and promoting a big event on Saturday, the 230 homecoming game, Veterans Day game, so many things going on, a Hall of Fame weekend, but highlighted by a tremendous event that everybody can be involved with within Beaver Nation. And we're going to give you the details. We hope that you're already planning on bringing non-perishable food items for the damn hunger tailgate effort coming up on uh, Saturday with receptacles to receive these items uh, for this uh, tremendous effort that includes our partners at Safeway and Tillamook specifically partnering with Safeway, Will Patton, the Director of the Marketing Center of Excellence at the Tillamook County Creamery Association. We're going to shorten that to Tillamook, henceforth. <laughs> uh, founded in 1909. Uh, the Creamery. Our, our family's been to the Creamery, the largest tourist attraction on the coast of Oregon. Over a million visitors per year there. So you know what we're talking about. Founded in 1909. But in 2023... It continues to go so very strong and just recently had an event in tangent with Kaylee Mitchell, Reagan Beers, Jordan Pope uh, on behalf of the Lynn Benton Food Share. And now Telemach and Safeway teaming up with Sarah Alcano, who was also on the line with us, along with Will Patton from Telemach to talk about what's happening on Saturday. I just want to do this yes. because I'm nervous. Uh-huh. So, Will, welcome to the program. Are you with us? Hello, Will. I am with you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and, and Sarah, are you with us as well? I'm always here. Thank oh, you. Gosh. And and I know, Lucas, you're not necessarily going to participate, but I just want to make sure you are on and able to be with us as well. Lucas? 
Yes, we are. Thank oh my you goodness. both. There we go. Good work, Johnny. And one <laughs> one last thing for yeah. Will. I'm not sure. I, I think that my wife's line back to her great-grandfather or grandfather was one of the founding members of the creamery back in the day in Tillamook. Well, that's good. Because well, all the farmers... Fantastic news. Yeah, that's right. All the farmers got together and started it. That is good news, yeah, Johnny. I love that connection all the way back to 1909, John. That's great. Yep. We'll, uh, we'll start with you and appreciate you taking time for us. Your, I, I mentioned the event last week, which was very impressive and, and so important for what uh, you at Tillamook and partnering with Safeway are up to. So from your perspective, what did that event mean? And now Saturday, coming back to Reeser Stadium for the Damn Hunger Tailgate effort, just sort of how it came about from your perspective and what it means to, to Tillamook to be a part of an effort like this. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me on today and uh, Sarah to be here and in the partnership with Safeway. It's just fantastic. But stepping back a little bit, um, when Lucas and the team from Beaver Sports Properties approached us about a sponsorship um, many, many months ago, um, we really let them know that uh, we weren't terribly interested in a traditional sports uh, sponsorship type of program. Uh, for example, a message on the Jumbotron or a sign out in center field at the baseball park. Um, but we wanted to do something that would make a difference in the community. And uh, thanks to Lucas and Anna and Sarah and all the others um, at OSU, they came back with something that was perfect for us. And that was that they told us that nearly 25% of enrolled students at Oregon State University are food insecure. And that just shocked me. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing something for the community, taking care of the community is really one of our pillars at Tillamook. And so um, was able to work that through um, the powers that be at Tillamook and really get behind it. And so what has happened, and the event that you talked about last week with the Oregon State athletes uh, at the Lynn Benton Food Chair was really emblematic of what's happening. So a Tillamook truck pulled up with over 7,000 pounds of dairy product donations, and the OSU athletes there helped us unload that truck and get it ready to provide to the Basic Needs Center there on the Oregon State University campus, which is uh, facilitating um, tremendous work in getting um, upwards of 400 to 600 um, uh, students in need uh, meals every week. Um, so that's something that we just could believe in, something that we wanted to do, and, uh, and really drive not just actual food product, uh, which we can support, but really, more importantly, awareness about this great problem uh, on campus. And uh, through the partnership of Safeway, um, through so many folks at OSU, um, I think we're really going to be able to do that, especially this weekend uh, at the Damn Hunger Tailgate. Well, Will, congratulations on that and your mind and heart towards that kind of effort, not just the traditional signage. Nothing wrong with that, but but I understand and appreciate you guys have taken it to a deeper and, uh, and really important level. Sarah Elcano, we're doubling down on Sarah. Had a session yesterday That's from, right. uh, from the Valley Football Center with the 13th year Director of External Operations, Senior Associate Athletic Director, Sarah Elcano, uh, back to kind of talk, Sarah, from the university's perspective when, when uh, something like we're going to see unfold Saturday, and we'll talk about the logistics of it, but you took to heart what Lucas, what Will were after and came up with something really special. Tell us a little bit from your perspective how it came about. You know, I think this initially started as we, we sit around and brainstorm and think creatively about 
what can check every single box? And who's the partner we want to work with? What are they interested in? What's their passion about? And then what what does our community need? What is our campus, our student athletes, and what will resonate with our fans? And when you think about where we ended up on this piece, it, it really does. It's one of those home runs that just it checks every single box and couldn't be more excited to, to fully execute the final piece of this on Saturday. And how does it, excuse me, I want to get to well a little bit on interesting background in the world of sports marketing, too, here in a moment. But but tell tell us, Sarah, just up front here uh, for, for Beaver Nation and the, the generous people that are listening and want to contribute, what should they do? How can they do it? Where can they do it? Yeah, great question. So on, on Saturday, about two hours prior to kickoff, with kickoff being at 2.30, we will have donation bins set up. Those donation bins will be staffed by some of our current student-athletes, Telemuk volunteers, and then um, some ambassadors from the Basic Needs Center. And so they will be there, able to help take donations, uh, answer questions. There will be six stations. So Parker Plaza, um, you know, the football statue location, will have a place. And then our main gate, as well as along the outside concourse, lining the, the main tailgate lots there. And then there's, you know, there's some, not that anyone is donating for the giveaways, certainly, but there are some giveaways um some ability to get something back for those that do do donate. So some scarves, um, stadium seat cushions, some Safeway gift cards, uh, some different items. So appreciate the generosity and the donations, and, and maybe if you're early on, you'll be lucky enough to get one of those items back in return. Yeah, and just, you know, this is worth a lot. Uh, for the first 250 people who make any kind of donation, you'll be given a $10 Safeway gift card. So there is that, too, but you certainly are hoping to give those away quickly. And I know people won't be giving simply for the prizes that you just talked about, but it is part of of what's happening between the partnership of Tillamook Safeway and Oregon State Athletics. And, Sarah, it's just part of an overall effort that uh, I don't – were you there last week at the event that uh, Will talked to us about in Tangent, but to get – Kaylee and Jordan and, and Reagan out there. That's just, again, what Oregon State Athletics is really all about. I was unable to attend, but that, I think it speaks volumes about our student-athletes and the impact and the care that they have for the community. Um, for them, you know, they know they're well aware of the food scarcity issues nationally within our state and then right here in our community. So for them, I think that was a great opportunity to be able to put some time towards something that they're passionate about, and then also, you know, just connect with more members of, of Beaver Nation out in the community. Sarah Elcano and Will Patton joining us, the director of the Marketing Center of Excellence for Tillamook. Will, uh, this is something I wonder, I mean, it's clear when you were approached by and in partnership with Safeway and Lucas presenting some opportunities to you at Tillamook. You took it, as I said, you've already shared how you wanted to do something maybe that wasn't completely traditional. Did Where did you kind of come up with that kind of thinking or that idea? Did, did any of that come from your time with the Dallas Mavericks working in marketing or Nike in the, in the marketing world? How have you kind of developed, I guess, a mind and a heart towards those types of things? Well, I think that um, for all of us, you know, our, our history gets us to where we are. Uh, so I, I think that my experience with the Dallas Mavericks and 20 years at Nike had some influence on it. Um, but really, it's 
It's more about um, working for a farmer-owned cooperative, which the Tillamook County Creamery Association is. And as you mentioned at the top, Mike, in your great intro, we've been doing this since 1909. Um, but the thing that's very different from, say, working uh, for the Mavericks, which is you know owned by a bajillionaire, or working for Nike, which is you know <laughs> traded on the stock market, is that we have what we call farmers' dollars, and um, we are farmer-owned. And our our goal is to keep those farmers farming and to keep taking care of communities and to keep making the greatest quality dairy product that we possibly can. And so with those farmers' dollars, that means there's not as many of them as you might have working for the Mavericks or working for Nike. Yeah. And so we have to do things, we have to do things untraditionally. And um, so that's really what spurred that. And then the, the second thing is when they, they came with this idea is that, it makes a lot of, makes a lot of sense because Tillamook is very deeply connected with the OSU community. A lot of our farmer owners are alumni or have family that are. Um, we have donated one point five million dollars to the egg sciences um, school for the the building of the dairy processing plant there on campus. Um, we provide scholarships through the Manners program at OSU. Um, and even down to a personal level, like my son is a sophomore at Oregon State. Hmm. so just knowing that there's these deep connections and the opportunity to do some good for a problem that, frankly, I was not terribly aware of, mm-hmm. that a quarter of the kids there at campus are food insecure. Mm. Um, so we took that really personally, and even our plant facilities in Boardman and Tillamook and our offices in Portland uh, all got together and, and uh, did a food drive and uh, generated a uh, donation that we took down uh, to the Lynn Benton Food Share mm-hmm. and included, along with that, a uh, semi-truck full of 7,000 pounds of dairy products. Yeah, that's tremendous. The wonderful products, the cheese and ice cream and butter and cream cheese spreads and yogurt and sour cream, and I can see the logo in my mind's eyes. I think about all of it. <laughs> it's great stuff, as, as I know all of our listeners, I'm sure, would concur with. Sarah, before we let you guys go and really appreciate your time, when we talk about non-perishable food items, uh, what what have you found in when these types of drives and this important effort that Damn Hunger has been involved with for a while? Can you give us maybe just a quick example of things that would really be helpful and useful? I mean, anything would be appreciated, but what do you kind of see most of, and what would you like to maybe see a little more of when people bring these donations? Yeah, I think we hear a lot of the, the canned goods go a long way, and those are frequently, you know, what pops into people's minds at events like this. Other staples, such as rice, peanut Mm -hmm. butter, kind of those long-lasting shelf items, but that are, you know, really nourish-packed, and you can make a lot of meals out of them. Cereals, Mm -hmm. some of the grain types of things are are what we hear is is needed as well, in addition to the canned items. And, Will, did you have something you were going to say on that, too? No, I was going to say exactly what Sarah did. She did a great job there. What was really beneficial for us from Tillamook is that the the perishable items like cheese, like mm-hmm. dairy products, uh, there's only limited amount of space for that. So for the, all the fans coming to the game on Saturday, if they can really double down on on the the nutrient rich things like uh, beans, rice, mm-hmm. um, you know, heavy proteins. I mean, those canned goods, that would be fantastic. Well, we are so looking forward to uh, tremendous generosity from Beaver Nation. And, Sarah, just on, a, on that note, wh- what is, what's the ticket number now? Are you, we anticipating a full sellout again? Uh, what are your thoughts on that for Saturday? 
the tickets remaining is down to two digits. So I'm anticipating a sellout in, in the next few hours. Okay. That's good news. Any other developments that we need to be aware of about game day presentation or anything else come Saturday? The flyover is still on. So everybody do your dance. Do your dance to the weather powers that be <laughs> that we keep clear skies. Excellent. Sarah, thank you again for your time today. Will, it's a pleasure to meet you in this context. Uh, you have a degree in a, re- in a major down the road that I have one in as well, rhetoric and communications, <laughs> and that ain't a major anymore from what I understand, and you can tell I learned well if I'm saying ain't, but that's not a major anymore, Will. Did you? I'm sure you understand that, right? <laughs> yeah, I believe that uh, my last class uh, down there at the, the school down the road uh, <laughs> in 1991 was the, the final one in that particular major of rhetoric and communications. Well, we'll talk more about that, maybe compare uh, professor notes. I'm older than you, but there was a man named Dominic A. <laughs> La- Dominic A. LaRusso that I dearly loved that was an absolute legend there. And so maybe someday, maybe even this weekend, we'll get a chance to compare notes. I really appreciate you taking time, Will, uh, for for our show, but more important for what you and uh, Tillamook, the Tillamook County Creamery Association are doing and giving back to an important effort at Oregon State University and elsewhere. Thanks, Will, for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. And Sarah? I, I, I greatly appreciate it. You betcha. And Sarah, thank you. We'll see you guys all this weekend at Research Stadium. We'll break. More coming up on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. It's unbelievable. <laughs> that was a great conversation. Well, it's an important effort. Yeah. And, you know, I really appreciate the partnership. I know this is a little local station, and, you know, that's more of a, that is kind of a Beaver Sports Properties Learfield relationship that we bring into the local market here, but it's such an important effort and that all of you have a chance to contribute to Saturday. I know so many of you will see the receptacle. Oh, I want it. We had that bag on the, on the counter, you know, where you collect your canned goods or staples as Sarah talked about, whatever else. So that's the biggest thing is make sure it gets in the car. And as you walk into Parker Plaza or wherever else that you're able to drop those off without forgetting them on the counter at home. Well, I was going to be a smart aleck, <laughs> like I always like to be and say, what about macaroni and cheese? But we'll cut in and got real serious about, about the, the dairy products and the basics, the bit and rice and this. Right. And then, oh boy. Okay. Save me there. Peanut butter. That's a good one. Peanut butter is very good. great. Yeah. Uh, I watched a film the other day called Roman J Israel Esquire and, very quirky, interesting. I, we kind of liked the movie. Uh, Colin Farrell's good in it. I liked it. But uh, Denzel's the character in that film is about all he eats, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and it's interesting to watch him just spooning that peanut butter. Some product placement. Jeff got a lot of run. Really? I'll just say Jeff got a lot of run in Roman J. Israel Esquire. We've got a couple of minutes, Johnny. Anything on the... Uh, we've got a road show, as I mentioned, at Stutzman and Krupp Friday. Free food, tickets, raffle prizes. And here is the address, 1954 Rye Street, Southeast. Now, these days, that's enough, but I love Dougie Blair for many reasons. Look what he... He has the address yeah. on this cheat sheet here, the one sheet we have to kind of let you know about what's happening. 1954 Rye Street, Southeast in Albany. You know, this is an old school human. <laughs> Directions. <laughs> go out Sandy M Highway across I-5, take the first right onto Fescue Street, go past the Phoenix Inn and Home Depot and take a left onto 18th Street, go down 18th and take the first right onto Rye Street. Go down Rye for about a half a mile and Stutzman and Krupp is on the right side of the street. 
That's beautiful. a thing of beauty right there. A right, a left, and a right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you go in between Home Depot and then the, on the right side. See, now the, going. the Fescue Street kind of, you know, what? Okay, but take the first right onto Fescue Street. But here's how my brain works. It's over by the Phoenix Inn at Home yeah, Depot. Here's yeah, here's how my brain works. So I live in uh, North Albany and work mm-hmm. here and, and whatnot. And I, I when I when t- someone tells me where to go, first thing I want to know is, what quadrant of the world am I going to? And if I have to get as big as uh, in the state of Oregon, yes. Okay, in the mid Willamette Valley, yes. Great, now we've narrowed it down. Now tell me uh, some kind of uh, place. Landmark. Yeah, landmark. Mm-hmm. Home Depot in Albany. Done. That's a good landmark. Now let's yeah. get down to the nitty-gritty one. Mm-hmm. See, because too many people start out, well, you go here, you go there. Yeah. No, no, no. Just give me the biggest thing. The general area. Right yeah. next to it. Okay, yeah. boom, done there. Now, I'll find it when I get there. Anything happening? Anything cooking? Um, University of the Texas line, unfinished business from yesterday. I'm very curious if the Hall of Fame will be streamed or possibly we would be able to view it afterwards. Really hope that's possible. That's Judy of Eugene. Thank you, Judy. Don't know, but we can ask. Uh, great interview with Mandy. One important thing stands out from her closing comments. Scholar-athletes are young humans that make mistakes have feelings and experience highs and lows of life in general. It's awesome that the damn right program exists. Go Beavs, Jeff in Somerville, Oregon. Where's Somerville? And that's a good question. There's a quadrant now. There's four. I don't know, Johnny. <laughs> Somerville? Seriously? Yeah, I don't know that See, I've, I've ever lived heard in of. the Beaver State since 1973, and today's the first day in my life. Well, I've, I've heard, heard of you, Somerville. I've been here since 1965. That's true. I've never you heard do of have Somerville. me, but it, <laughs> Somerville, Oregon. So somebody please text maybe Jeff in Somerville, is it? No, but uh, is yeah, it? yeah. Because Jeff, then, maybe add to your text. Thank you for it. Jeff, where exactly are you? Another Jeff <laughs> says that uh, Stephen Kwan won a gold glove. Yes. And here's another text. I've heard that jo- I've heard that Jonathan Smith is interviewing for the Michigan State job. Any truth to that rumor? Do you know? I got into a. Um, I wouldn't say an argument this morning with someone about this very topic. I would say it became a topic. It was well, it was off the air. It was a hallway yeah. conversation. Yes, and this particular person tends to say things are before I say do what you do and say no, 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 no. Where did you see Where this? Where did you hear it? Why are you saying this? Yes, to determine if it's literally just rumor amongst friends or Twitter, or if a source said... Right. In East Lansing... In East Lansing, Bill Sowers from right. the East Lansing Gazette Tribune... Ex- yeah, it's one of my favorite periodicals. Yeah. ...says that he talked to... You know, that's what we're looking for for right. this show, because right. you and I don't go on any record of anything. Message board. Somebody until, on a message board says... Right, right. Yeah. Now, it's interesting no, they, for nothing, fans. Yeah, message boards are tremendous. That's but right. I would not use them for... I, sometimes, don't get me wrong, we know, message boards, what's the word on the street, Johnny, a right. feature we used to do, what's going on in the, you know, the yeah. internet, and what are people saying? It's not as though we're dismissive, ah, that's just Not at all. Message board. Not at all. Sometimes message boards are way ahead of everything the journalists and do. And they do know, because they're, they're, they're sitting yeah. there looking through, through periodicals that's that are right. all around the country. I get that. But I haven't seen but anything. We, uh, so somebody is, Jeff, is bringing something up, Jeff, that, as in Somerville, so is the Michigan State rumor to me. I've not come across that yet. So 
His uh, name was mentioned early on. Yeah. Um, so a text just came in yeah. while we're talking about this, saying that a friend of mine said Jonathan was on the Jim Rome show. We have that. We yeah. Oh, yes. That. And we're going to have, in fact, we're going to take a break now, come back with Josiah Lake, a few minutes with Josiah, yeah. and then we hope to get to the, the heart of the interview to close the show today. And if not, we'll do it first thing tomorrow. And this person said that he had heard from his friend that Jonathan sidestepped the question. I recorded it, and I oh. heard the beginning, and I heard the end, but got busy while it was recorded. So Romy asked so him I, about other I opportunities? Know. I don't know, because I wasn't paying attention to the part where he was okay. asking him okay. about it. Okay, let's break, come back so to Josiah. To me. Yeah, let's break, come back to Josiah. We'll maybe get to that part of it, if indeed Romy asked directly about other opportunities that certainly will come his way. I saw when Mel Tucker got fired, one of the first names thrown out was our own Jonathan Smith. Back after this on the Joe Beaver Show. So Rome asked him directly, is that rumor out there enough that Rome said Michigan State to Jonathan Smith? I'll have to to hear it. While I talk to to Josiah Lake II, not that you're not interested in that conversation, and you are. I'll chime in. But yeah, I I thought he was tremendous. He was tremendous, and he's been great throughout, and it was exciting to see Josiah. I got to see his dad, who I called games for in my first year back in 99-2000. Josiah has done some tremendous things. Uh, Josiah the Elder in his career post-Oregon State, and his son, a legacy kid, walking on to the program out of Tualatin High School, Josiah Lake II, kind enough to join us on the show. Josiah the Younger, I'm calling you. Congratulations on the big win. How did you feel things went for you and the team yesterday? I thought things went very well for us. Uh, We came out fired up. Our energy was there. And we kind of just stepped on the gas and never let off. Yeah, it was great to see. Your own decision to follow in your dad's footsteps to come here. How did that come about, Josiah? I mean, you told me a little bit about that on the postgame show yesterday, but I'd kind of like to explore that a little bit more. How did you end up back kind of following your dad's footsteps at Oregon State? Uh, I have some other opportunities, but uh, once the Oregon State opportunity came to me, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, Looking up to my dad all my life, I kind of wanted to follow his footsteps and kind of live out my childhood dream. How much did you know about your dad's love for the Beavs and growing up? I asked your dad yesterday about the play when Dino hit the three to beat Arizona did you kind of grow up knowing your dad was part of that and part of some big games at Gill Coliseum? Yes, I did. Um, we actually would sit down and watch some old game film of uh, him and uh, DeAndre Tanner going at it. That's cool. So, well, what did you think of your dad's game? <laughs> uh, it was it was very um, hard work. Like he's just a hard worker. Like on the court, um, and he even shows it off the court today. Um, you know, he just has so much passion for the game itself, and he shows all of it when he's on the court. Do you remember a time when you finally beat him in one-on-one? Uh, no, I don't. We kind of stopped playing a lot of one-on-one um, over the past years because it just got competitive. And, you know, you, you, once you get a little bit older, it's not really, like, as uh, cool to play one-on-one against your dad, I would say. Josiah Lake the second. Yeah, go ahead, Josiah. What were you going to say? Um, especially since, you know, he's you know a former Division I Hooper, so it's a little tough on me as well. Yeah, and I was going to say, seeing those game films, maybe even seeing your dad play, I don't know, City League or pickup ball or whatever else, 
are there some similarities in your game? I think so. Um, I think I, I get um, his defense. I think that's what I learned from him is just his scrappiness, uh, you know, diving on loose balls and uh, kind of just, you know, doing whatever it takes to win. Yeah, I felt like that was on display yesterday, Josiah. I love that. And it, it strikes me that you're not alone. Tell me what you're seeing with the, the group and your teammates and whatever the expectations may be, whatever people think on the outside it strikes me as you guys are saying, hey, we don't care. We're going to go play hard, play our best. And you feel pretty good about the, the mix that you've got, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, right now, our, our main goal right now is just take it one game at a time. Um, uh, just beat the odds. That's kind of our main uh, little focus is just, you know, do whatever it takes for us to win games and play together. What was it like at Tualatin for you? The two state championships there, you were a huge part of it. What was that culture of that program like? Uh, it was great. Uh, Coach Lemon actually came in my senior year, and uh, he did a lot for us. Uh, he switched a lot of things up, and it worked. So uh, it was just an amazing experience uh, playing at Walton with him because he coached me my freshman year on JV. And then as well as playing with my younger brother, that was probably one of the best experiences I've, I've had in my life is just being able to share the court with him and uh, – go win a championship together. Josiah Lake, the second, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. The Beavs playing Troy Friday, 4 o'clock at Gill Coliseum, 3.30 airtime here on Joe Radio. Josiah, then how did Oregon State, when did it first occur to you that, hey, they're they're interested? Coach Stewart talked about you yesterday, but who was the conduit to, to come to the Beavers? How did you end up back here in terms of the initial interest in, in you and your game? Uh, it was all Coach Stewart. Um, he reached out to me uh, shortly after the state championship game, and we talked for a while. And then I got on the phone with Tinko, and I loved everything I heard. And then after that, I kind of just knew, like, this is the right decision. And, you know, growing up at Beaver, it's all I've ever really wanted is just to be able to put on that uniform and rep the Beavers on the front of my jersey. You know, you guys are going to to draw as the season goes. I think your style of play already, people have seen it, enjoy it, watch it. Yesterday's crowd, a Monday afternoon game, was not huge. You were playing a team in Linfield, good, due respect to their program, and you guys accorded them respect, played hard, and won the game handily. So Gill was not rocking, I guess what I'm saying, like it's going to. Even so, Josiah, how did it feel to you? What did it mean to you? to run out onto that floor, no matter what the size of the crowd or the opponent, but just to be a Beaver in a counting game. Tell me a little bit about what that meant to you in your heart. Uh, it felt amazing. Um, stepping on the court, Linfield, a, a good basketball team. They mm-hmm. have a hard worker. They have a good coach. Um, so going to battle with them was very fun. Um, obviously, there was a lot of nerves coming into the game. Um, you know, 2, two o'clock game, 2.30 game, didn't really matter for us. We had the energy. We you know, we played like it was a packed out um, arena. So for us, it was just really, we had one job and that was to win. And you did, and you did handily. You've got Troy coming up on Friday. And as I mentioned, last thing, Josiah, and that is just uh, before you, uh, we turn you loose today and we're going to get to a final segment here in a moment. When you, when you think about the style of play or basketball that your dad played back in the late 90s to what you're is basketball just basketball? Does he talk to you about how things have changed from from his time and era? 
I mean, how do you feel about how maybe your dad's era compares with yours in terms of how the game is played? Uh, yeah, it's definitely changed a lot. Uh, we, we talk about it all the time. Just, um, you know, Steph Curry made a big impact mm-hmm. on, on my generation and the generations to come of just shooting out shots. Uh, shots. Um, it wasn't super popular when my dad played, but also um, it was more physical. He says it all the time. The physicality is just so much different. And, you know, watching old NBA games, old college games, um, you know, I can see that as mm-hmm. well. Do you have a favorite NBA player? You grew up in Portland. Is it Dame? Was it Dame? Was it Steph? I mean, is there a team or a player or two that you looked up to? Um, Russell Westbrook has always been, like, my favorite player. Hmm. And behind him is Damian Lillard, which is kind of weird to say because they uh, they don't really like each other on the court. So, um, But, yeah, those are my top two NBA players that I uh, look up to. Have you? And what they do on and off the court. Have you seen YouTube videos of Michael Jordan or Larry Bird? Yes, yes. Michael Jordan is definitely one of my all-time favorites. Um, my dad also loved Michael Jordan, so I think he kind of just, you know, um, that kind of rubbed me, rubbed off on me too. The the passion he has for Michael Jordan himself. Did your dad have a relate? And we're going to talk to your father too at some point here and get kind of get where he went after Oregon State. It was so good to see him yesterday. But working for as many years as he did with Nike, did he ever develop a relationship with Michael? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He worked very closely with him. That's cool. Uh, yeah, he loved that because growing up, Michael Jordan was his favorite player and he got to work with him. So it's, that's a cool moment to have. Did, yeah. you, did you ever get to meet Michael from that? Yeah, I, I went to um, a couple Michael Jordan camps actually in Santa Barbara, California, and I got to meet Michael Jordan a couple of times. Well, you are blessed then. And I mean, that's that's greatness right there. And, and really glad that um, your father, uh, he clearly raised you the right way if you've ended up at Oregon State. <laughs> and we're proud of, of that uh, and excited. And I'm glad to reconnect with your dad to have you in the program. Josiah John will be calling some games here in the in the weeks ahead when football and uh, basketball intersect. So he'll travel with you to Brooklyn and to South Dakota and so you'll be meeting and visiting with John more, but we really appreciate getting to know you a little bit here the last couple of days and look forward to watching your career unfold with the Beavers where you indeed belong. Thanks for taking time, Josiah. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Josiah Lake the second. We will talk to Papa Josiah yeah, about fun. his days with the Beavers, Dino's three, and his ensuing years working and working with Michael very closely enough that Josiah J- the younger yeah. has met him. We'll break. We'll come back with the Romy sidestep question that everybody's talking about, except us. <laughs> so thank you for bringing it to our attention on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. We're going to get to yesterday's conversation with Jim Rome and our own Jonathan Smith in just a moment. But Dave has called on the Downward Dog phone line. Let's get Dave in before we transfer over to Romy from yesterday. Dave, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. I just want to say I, that the Jonathan going for it the last game, the two-point conversion, taking the points off the board, I, you know, I think that that same came before there was even a two-point conversion in the NFL. So maybe it doesn't really fit that same scenario. But also, I I really thought we were we were far enough ahead and had that game in command. I was upset at, at first, and then my brother said, eh, I think the Beavers are in fine shape. I think you're, I think you're good on that. So it was 
from a different perspective, was it an unnecessary risk? Yes. But I thought it was a good chance to practice a play that you might need going down the stretch here to win one of those last two games or maybe even the game against Stanford. So I didn't really have a problem with it. I thought, you know, you practice it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you know, you got to go back to the drawing board and come up with something a little bit better, right? So I thought in that scenario, really not so egregious. Okay. So I really wasn't upset at all. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate it. Now, thank you, Dave. And I understand, yep. that, and good to, good to hear from you. As uh, we we played with the buttons a little earlier, and I'm not sure if they're working the same they're way. They're fine. Now. It's just a combination. An old Sansone. Uh, we're going to get to yesterday's conversation, Rome and Jonathan. This report did emerge from Fan Nation and Spartan Nation. Four candidates emerge in Michigan State's head coach search, while other candidates could still be under consideration. Rivals.com Sports Spartans Illustrated is reporting these four current head coaches as near the top of Michigan State's list. Uh, Rivals.com, Spartans Illustrated, MSU's athletic department is, quote, heavily interested, unquote, in at least four college coaches for its vacancy. Kansas's Lance Leipold, Oregon State's Jonathan Smith, Wake Forest, Dave Clawson, and Washington State's Jake Dickert. Hmm. Interesting. So the pack two, both, yeah, let's, let's go with, uh, let's go with, uh, Romy yesterday with, uh, okay. Jonathan, as we wrap up the show today. We are joined right now by the head football coach at Oregon State. He is in his sixth season at his alma mater. He has guided the Beavers to consecutive bowl games. They won 10 games last year. Oregon State coming off a win over Colorado, 26-19. That moves them to 7-2 and two overall. They're 4-2 and two in conference play. They move up four spots to number 12 in this week's AP poll. They host Stanford on Saturday. We are joined by Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith. Jonathan, great to have you back. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Always good to catch up with you. You too. Great to catch up with you too, Coach. Let me ask you first about Colorado. You beat them. They they were game, right? They came back. They fought. You finished them off, though. What were your biggest takeaways from that win? And overall, how do you feel about the way your team is playing right now? You know, you always feel good. You got to find a way to win on the road. And these things are four-quarter games now. And we came out, played really well first three quarters, kind of handled things, and then give credit to Colorado. Those guys didn't back down a down an inch, played really well in the fourth quarter, make it a lot tighter. Um, but our guys did found a way to finish, had the ball at the end to kind of run the clock out. And so felt good about that. And these, that's how these games are going to be, especially in November, especially in this conference currently. You got to be able to play for four quarters, find a way to get it done. And we did. Jonathan Smith joining us. I mentioned you're 7-2. and two. What is significant about that is you're 7-2 and two for the first time since 2012. And in an era of college football where virtually everybody is lighting up the scoreboard, your defense was once again dominant Saturday. You had three sacks. You had a pair of forced fumbles. You held Colorado to negative seven yards rushing. I know you'll preach the team concept, and you do have great balance, but how pleased are you with what you're getting from that side of the ball defensively? Yeah, defensively, that was a great performance because that's a good offense. In Colorado, they spread you out. Quarterback's a really good player. Um, I thought we tackled well in space, and you're going to need to do that against these offenses that we play. So on that defensive side, it starts up front affecting the passer. We got that done. We covered and tackled well, and we're going to need to keep doing it. Jonathan Smith is joining us. Speaking of passers, I think on the flip side of that, you know the quarterback position as well as anybody. You were a four-year starter, in fact, for the Beavers. Talk about DJ for a minute. What has he brought to your team and the program since transferring in from Clemson? Yeah, DJ's been, uh, he's done a ton. Uh, one, just culturally, he came over here. He's a great teammate. He's not trying to be the face of the program from day one. He just went to work, uh, learning a new scheme, 
um, and then leading this group. He's gotten us in the right place. He's being accurate with the ball. I think his decision-making, I think he's sitting at like 18 to four touchdown to interception ratio, pushing the ball down the field. Cause we, uh, we feel like we got a good run game that we needed to be able to push the field ball down the field. And he's been able to do it. So we really like having him in the program, uh, being our quarterback, and now obviously counting on to play big time here this this next few games. You know, actually, I'm going to ask you about the run game in a minute, but you're right. That is the ratio. He does have 18 touchdowns. He's got four picks. I understand that his work there clearly is not done. But how do you think that he projects on the next level, NFL? Yeah, I think he projects really well. I mean, this guy just physically can make all the throws. He works really hard. He understands concepts, recognizes coverage, um, stands in the pocket. He's not shy to stand in there, keep his eyes down the field, work through a progression, all that, all those things he's going to be asked to do at the, the next level. So I think he's got a great shot to have a long career at that stage. Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith is our guest. I mentioned the running game. So as well as DJ is playing, you know, it's not at the expense of the running game. In fact, quite the contrary, you've got about five yards per pop on average behind Damian Martinez. What's it mean to the offense that Martinez has built on what he achieved last year when he was named the Pac-12's offensive freshman of the year? Yeah, it's a it's a nice step. I mean, we do want to make things physical. It starts up front. I think we've got a good offensive line. Those guys... Uh, been been around, we've got some great experience. Uh, and then schematically, I, I'm a believer in making things physical, running the ball, and Damian, he's got some help. Deshaun Finwick and sharing that load of carries has allowed those guys to be healthy throughout this year, and we're going to need it coming, uh, coming these next few weeks. All right, so I think the key phrase there is the next few weeks. I mean, it starts with Stanford. That's your next game, and that's the important one. The next one is always the biggest one. But when we talk about the next few weeks, you've got Stanford, and I know you don't want them looking beyond Stanford, but beyond Stanford, you've got a couple of teams in the top six in Washington and Oregon. So what are you telling your guys about the opportunities and the challenges that await them in the next few weeks? Yeah, you, you know the approach. we got to do it one one game at a time, and our complete focus is on that. We do talk about each time you're able to win late in the year, like like we did last week. It just adds momentum, makes games bigger. And, yeah, we can only play one game at a time. We're looking forward to this one, getting back at home at our place. We've got back-to-back home games that we've played really well at home. We're going to have to continue to do it. But the complete focus is is one week at a time. Hey, Jonathan, this is part of the conversation where I ask you a question that you don't want me to ask you that I have to ask everybody. I did Lance Leipold. I did Mike Elko and others who are in a similar situation. You've had success. I mean, you've done a heck of a job at Corvallis. I know you love it there. I know they love you there. But your name has been linked to some other high-profile coaching openings. What kind of conversations have you had internally with your players and staff when inevitably they see your name pop up on social media? Yeah, we haven't talked about me specifically as a team or anything. I did ask these guys to start the season to be locked in on the next four months. And a lot of that conversation was based off of, you know, the uncertainty of the conference realignment and what's a Pac-12, turn to Pac-2, all of this. So the approach has been to lock in on these four months. We're getting toward the, our, our fourth month of it. Um, I do think it's a compliment to the program when you got success taking place that, you know, my name gets out there, but opportunities for other coaches on our staff. We got a big time staff and guys that are ready to be head coaches or ready to be coordinators. So we win as a team and some of the, a lot of the credit comes to everybody on the team. 
Now, let me ask you, I think that, you know, with you and the staff, obviously, you guys have a little more experience, a little more wisdom, you're a little bit older, so you understand how that goes. But we are talking about young athletes, right? It can't be easy, and especially with all that noise. The fact that you're playing as well as you are right now, they got that message. They clearly are very good at compartmentalizing. So when you ask them, just lock in for four months. You can't control certain things. Lock in for four months. Have they been locked in or occasionally will somebody come to you and say, hey, coach, listen, this is really hard, all right? I don't know about the conference. I don't know about you. I don't know about me. Do I hit the portal? I mean, do they come to you and have those conversations? Yeah, we've had a few of that. No question. I mean, I think it's gone from when this all went down in August, it was on the forefront of their mind, right? A lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty. It was unsettling. I think as we got into the season, there's, it's moved to the back of their mind, but it's still there. So, yeah, we've had a few conversations, you know, and in some ways, every program across the country, when you get to the end of the end of the season, everyone's going to reevaluate now. Just like you mentioned, you got the portal. There's other opportunities out there, not just in regards to Oregon State. I think every every player playing college football has the opportunity to reevaluate come December and either stick or, or take a chance to leave. I the last couple of minutes uh, you can access, I think, on our website, right, Johnny? I mean, is the Jim Rome Show available on his site or ours? I mean, All of this is at Rome.com. Rome.com. But there was the question. I thought Jim phrased it respect, respectfully. Jim's very – that's my favorite part of the Jim Rome Show. I think he makes me laugh. His, his sarcasm and edginess I, I've enjoyed for decades. I like him a lot. I'm a little less enamored of when – quote-unquote, the clones engage in it and demeaning other people, other fans, other teams, other markets, other cities. Hey, Philly fan. You know, I mean, I'm just, that doesn't do it for me. (laughs) But stuff like that with Rome engaged in intelligent, thoughtful conversations with our own Jonathan Smith there, I think he does a great job, and his guest list is tremendous week to week. Unfortunately, I agree with you, but... 60% 60% of his show f- falls into the... The other stuff? Stupid stuff. Yeah. Especially when his producer is hitting the same sound effect and they just go over and over. And I over will again. say, <laughs> the sound bites, though, do make me laugh on occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. I will laugh out loud. Yeah, exactly. a lot of the times, I'm not paying attention. You know, man, I, I laugh every time. I'll just admit it. Not so much the Gundy, the word fat, has been played more yeah. than any other sound bite in the history of sound bites. But if Romy says, well, they ran the Packers right into the ground, <laughs> then you hear, Tanya, in, in yeah, put me in the ground. In the ground. I laugh. I laugh. I know. Maybe I, know. I shouldn't, but I do. I know. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We'll try it again tomorrow right back here, 11 to 1, on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio.